Hare Krishna, uh, I want to wish all of you a very, very happy Janmashtami, Janma, of course in Sanskrit means birth, Ashtami, Ashtami is a feminine word meaning the eighth, and it refers to the Ashtami Titi, or the eighth lunar day, which is the day on which Krishna appeared, so Janmashtami. Just like Ekadashi means the 11th lunar day for Ekadashi or the Panchami, Shasti, Septami, Dwadashi, and so on and so forth. So Krishna, the fact that God himself, Krishna, personally came to this world and lived, you could say, a full life, I mean, more than a full life, on this planet is by far the most important thing that could ever happen on this planet. And um, so this is a good day to stop and reflect on how do we respond or are we responding spontaneously with spontaneous wonder and ecstasy. Of course, we in the stage of sadhana bhakti practicing devotion uh we have kirtans and we have classes like this one and uh it's become very popular to do lots of rituals such as abhishek or fire sacrifices although that wasn't done very much when Prabhupada was here the emphasis was more on knowledge but still there are different ways in which we, you could say, practice responding appropriately to the appearance of the, and to use Prabhupada's language, not only God, but the absolute truth, the absolute truth. For example, in the uh, Latter-day Saints, called Mormons, uh, they believe if you become a really good Mormon, you could become God somewhere in some world or universe. So we're not just speaking about a God, but the absolute truth, the source of everything. And so this is a day, not simply to, of course, I mean, certain things we do and we should do, like wishing everyone a happy Ekadashi or hearing about Krishna, his birth in this world, praying to Krishna and so on. I mean, of course we do those things, but also we can think deeply about how we are responding to God's arrival. Krishna, the fact that Krishna came to this planet, which we are living on right now, how do we respond to that? Are we responding sufficiently? And then, of course, Krishna came again as Lord Chaitanya, so... Clearly, Krishna has designated this planet as a place where people can be liberated, where people can, where we're just so fortunate. All of us are just so fortunate to be on this planet where in recent history, Krishna came a little over 5,000 years ago, and then he came again as Lord Chaitanya. So today is his birthday the birthday of God, of Krishna. Of course, he has no birth, 
Krishna says, Janma Karma Chame Divyam. My birth is a Divya Janma, divine birth. It's not like ours, not under the laws of nature. But of course, the correct, proper, appropriate response to having the infinite good fortune of knowing that Krishna did come to this planet. The proper response is to surrender to him. Krishna says, I'm the source of everything. For me, everything emanates. Realizing this. Realizing this. Buddha. That Buddha, intelligent people, worship me. Iti matwa bhajante mang Buddha. Bhava samangbita. Filled with ecstasy. Filled with feeling. So, iti matwa. It's interesting because Krishna did not say in this verse, iti gyatwa, knowing this. Or knowing, thus knowing. He said, matwa. This is the verb, uh, the verb man from which you get, of course, the word manas, the mind. And as a, as a verb, iti means thus, matwa. Um, the verb can mean thus thinking, thus believing, thus imagining, supposing, uh, considering, uh, to set the heart or mind on something. So uh, to think of in prayer, to meditate on, to perceive, thus perceiving, thus observing, thus learning, thus knowing, thus understanding, thus comprehending. These are all meanings of iti matwa. So Krishna says iti matwa, those who have understood or who really think about this, uh, they worship me, bhava samandita, filled with bhava, filled with sincere devotion and realization. So it's a good day to measure our response. It's like in the Olympics, you know, every time someone performs and they put the score up on the board, digital board, and then the, you see the athletes, they always look up to see what their score was. So we should see what our score is, our bhakti yoga score. How are we doing on this path? Are we really understanding Krishna? Are we moving closer to Krishna, approaching Krishna? Is our eternal love for Krishna not like some of the silliness that you hear nowadays, by which is derived by grossly mistranslating Sanskrit and Bengali verses, but our eternal love for Krishna, our eternal love for Krishna, um, is it awakening? Are we losing our taste for sense gratification? Very important symptom. Are we losing our taste for sense gratification? Are we, um, Are we becoming attached to Krishna? Are we enthusiastic to serve him? Do we want, is, do we really want other people to know about Krishna? Are we actively, vigorously, energetically uh, trying to help other people 
to understand Krishna. So these are all symptoms. This is a good day of the year to really look at ourselves honestly, openly, and to rededicate ourselves to trying to love Krishna, who was, of course, all attractive. So I didn't plan to give a long class. And so uh, if there are any questions, um, I have to go back to the, uh, there it is. See if there are any comments. Thank you all for uh, for listening. Uh, if you have questions, okay, that's no question. Of course, I've only been speaking for a very short time, but um, we really have to fall in love with Krishna. Just like I remember being a boy in school, and you know, you're always falling in love with this person or that person, but. Um, I mean, I'm using the words falling in love a little superficially here, obviously. They used to use the word crush to get a crush on someone. But um, we really have to fall in love with Krishna. We have to, it, pleasing Krishna has to become the most important thing in our life. So, I mean, there's so many competing pleasures, not really competing because they can't compare but in our conditioned state, whether it's just the senses, you know, attachment to eating, attachment to the opposite sex, or pride, or, you know, wanting to, uh, all kinds of desires. I mean, they're just, our desires, what does Krishna say? Uh, that chintha uh, parimeya, uh, that our, our concerns, worries, anxieties, desires, they're aparimeya, immeasurable. So somehow or other in, in, the, in the middle of this big mess of so many material desires and, and sometimes becoming unhappy and confusion and doubt and all, it's just the whole, this whole big mess, which is the material mind. Uh, somehow within ourselves, there is that love for Krishna. There's that love for Krishna within us. And uh, if we can somehow or other find that within ourselves, it's not something we have sadhya kavunai, as the CC says, it's not love for Krishna, it's not something you produce or something you manufacture, as Prabhupada used to say. It's something which is nitya siddha, it's always there. It's always present, our love for Krishna. We just have to remember it. We have to revive it because we are eternal servants of Krishna. I mean, the idea Jivaya Sarupahoy Krishna Nitya Das. Actually, it just occurred to me this nonsense that some people are teaching, and it is nonsense, that you know, we have no intrinsic Krishna consciousness, that it's something we learn for the first time. This is so absurd because. One of the main verses in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which Prabhupada quoted all the time, is Jivar Sarupahoy, that there is an eternal, there is a constitutional position, Sarupa, the real form, the true form of the soul of the Jiva. And what is it? It's uh, Nitya Krishna Das or Krishna Nitya Das, same thing. Eternal servant of Krishna. Now to be Nitya means it has no beginning. 
something which didn't exist and then begins to exist. There is no such thing. Krishna explicitly rejects that in Bhagavad Gita. The idea that something did not exist before, now it comes to exist and it will exist forever. Krishna rejects that. He says, Nasato vidyate bhavo. These people, they think they're jumping up to bhava and I don't know, you know, gopiology, blah, blah, blah. They don't even understand. They don't understand the first part of the of the first of Krishna's teachings in Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, if something is asat, it has no bhava. It can never become a permanent existence. If something did not exist before or will not exist, then it never has eternal existence. Na asataha vidyate bhavaha. Na bhavo vidyate sataha. And if something is eternal, it never doesn't exist. There are only two kinds of things in the Bhagavad Gita. So I, I don't want to see people become bewildered by and suckered by and just cheated by this nonsense that, that some people are preaching now who you know claim to be, I don't know, uh, scholars. Krishna says there are two kinds of things in the world, sat, asat, bhava, abhava, things which are eternal, things which are temporary. The temporary things never become eternal. The eternal things never become temporary. And Krishna Das Kaviraj says very clearly that the sarupa, the real form, the real identity of the soul is to be eternally Krishna's servant. So if you were not, at some time in the past, you were not a servant of Krishna, that means you are not Nitya Krishna Das. You are not an eternal servant of Krishna. Because there was a time when you were not a servant of Krishna. And if that's the case, then there must be a time in the future when you will not be a servant of Krishna. So the, the, this, this nonsense is nothing, it's so bad. It's actually trying to change the basic ontology, the basic philosophy of existence itself that Krishna gives in the Bhagavad Gita, the basic philosophy of existence, which Krishna says there are things that are temporary and things that are eternal, and they never mix. One never becomes the other. So if we are nitya, eternally, Krishna dasa, if we are eternal servants of Krishna, that means that we were always, it doesn't begin at a certain point because eternal things don't begin and they don't end. So we are eternal servants of Krishna and uh, Nitya Siddha, uh, Krishna Prema, Sadhya Kavunai, Savanadi, Shuddha Jite Kore Udai. Anyway, it's very clear, it's very simple. This is what Prabhupada taught. This is the actual fact of life. And uh, and, and Krishna Janmashtami, it would be good not to offend and insult Krishna's own words in Bhagavad Gita. There are some people claiming to be Vaishnavas who think they have transcended the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, obviously, there are very important aspects of our teachings which Krishna doesn't talk about. He doesn't talk about the five rasas in the Bhagavad Gita. He doesn't talk about the gopis. I mean, there are many things that Krishna doesn't talk about, but everything in the Gita is true. Prabhupada said there's like, you know, the elementary book, there's a more advanced book, 
It's not that when you become advanced in Krishna consciousness, you realize that there are statements in the Gita that are not true. That is a bomb. That's absurd. It's abominable. And yet there are people so puffed up in their ignorance that they think that they've transcended the Gita, not in the sense of building on all the true statements in the Gita, but now you can just discard things. Like when Krishna says, Samohang Sarva Bhuteshu, I'm equal to everyone, but you can discard that. That's no longer true. That, there, that what Krishna is teaching in the Gita is only true for neophytes. And when you become advanced like these fools, uh, then Krishna's statements are false. They're no longer true. So I would urge serious devotees not to be cheated and bewildered by this nonsense. Krishna is equal to everyone. What did someone say in a podcast? Some uh, person obviously uh, made this really foolish statement that Krishna is the supreme unjust, as if that's some kind of ecstatic advanced realization that when you blaspheme the Gita, when you deny the Gita, when you when you you know accuse Krishna of making false statements, that somehow that that shows that you're a great devotee. Anyway, we live in a very crazy world, and this is not uh, the least crazy thing in this world. So it is Janmashtami. It's a day to honor Krishna. It's a day to honor his words in Bhagavad Gita and to rededicate ourselves to serving him. So thank you very much. If uh, Let me see very quickly if all that didn't provoke questions and maybe I'll assume you all agree. Yes, of course. It's a categoric mistake regarding the types and classes of existence. It's the worst kind of mistake. Not even understanding the basic ontology of Krishna's teachings. Uh, Yaduraj said, uh, how can we improve our japa? Thereby have a more personal experience of Krishna, our day-to-day, moment-to-moment life. Try harder. Uh, in your opinion, what would be the most powerful argument for God's existence that could be used to refute atheism? Uh, atheism is, is is also pretty, it's really bad philosophy, as I've explained so many times. Because if you say, you, you can't prove there's no God. I mean, by, by all logic, it's not something you can prove. And if there's no God, no one knows everything. That includes you. And since you don't know everything... You obviously don't know if God exists. So atheism is, is, I don't consider to be serious philosophy. As far as refuting atheism, uh, there aren't that many atheists in the world, um, fortunately. So if someone's interested and wants to listen to you, explain things. So thank you all very much. Uh, Thank you all very much for listening. I wish you all again a very happy Janmashtami. And I hope we can all receive the mercy of Krishna to serve him properly. Thank you.